This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Welcome back, Investor Mindset Nation. Very excited because we have Corey Boatwright on the show today. And we just finished up an amazing interview with him. And what you guys are going to hear is uh, we dive into his background and experience. You know, He's done a thousand plus real estate deals. He's run multiple businesses. But what was really great about this episode is we talked about what it was like growing up and how he was a pretty rebel rebel rouser type kid. You know, he was getting into a lot of trouble and how by getting connected with some of the right people, it changed that for him. You know, he went down a path, but it's a path that we could all go down in our own way. And we're going to kind of dive into a little bit about that and what he learned from it. We're also going to dive into, you know, what it's like to be in partnerships and marriages that maybe aren't working and how he's taken some of those lessons learned to the next one. So there's a ton more great stuff in here. Just want to give you a little taste of it. So before we jump into this episode, as always, I got to ask you, go drop a five-star review on iTunes, write us something nice. If you're listening to this and you're not subscribed, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Go drop a subscription down on YouTube uh, and join the Insider Club at theinvestormindset.com to find out about some of the amazing events and cool things that we have coming down the pike. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am very excited today. I have Corey Boatwright in the, uh, the studio today. How you doing, Corey? Hey, Stephen, how you doing, bro? Thanks for having me. I'm excited because Corey has completed over a thousand real estate transactions and owns over 430 units. He's a social connector who has run several multi-million dollar companies in industries, including real estate investing, business consulting, internet marketing, and so many more. He now coaches and partners with high-level entrepreneurs to help them achieve their enormous goals. And you probably know him because he speaks around the country, at a lot of different events, and he runs a pretty popular podcast called Real Estate Investing Profit Master Series. You ready to get started, Corey? I am. All right. Awesome. Well, obviously, a thousand real estate transactions, that's a pretty big accomplishment. But why don't we start out by taking a look back? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? So it's interesting. I remember reading uh, the book that many investors have read, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read it a little bit differently. I remember reading what Robert Kiyosaki said, nine out of 10 businesses fail. And I got super excited about this because I knew I just need to start 10 businesses like any uh, driven entrepreneur and one of them was going to succeed. That's how I read that. Interesting. And now uh, thinking about that, um, you know, thinking about less is more. Uh, back in my 20s, essentially, uh, you know, you just do it all. You know, you just do all and you just figure it out as you uh, go. At least I was. Mm -hmm. And don't tell me to slow down. You know, I mean, I'm, that was like putting a red cape in front of a bull, you know, just just doing everything I possibly could um, could think of. And so Robert Kiyosaki was uh, a, a big instrumental um, influence uh, for, for that mindset a change, you know, really understanding, um, going from the self, um, you know, be, being self-employed mm -hmm. over to being a business owner or being an actual, you know, entrepreneur and investor. You're, you're, when you look at the cash flow quadrant and understanding how powerful that is, and really you're just one thought away from setting up things in your business 
to equal uh, the success that you want. Instead of just moving along and just going through the motions, actually being intentional and thinking about what you're doing and uh, where you're going. That wasn't until happened, uh, I think, later in life. But in my 20s, man, and, and starting out, it was just do it all and uh, figure it out as you go. Do it all and grind it out and just try stuff and go after it. I know what that's like. So when was it that you first read that book? Because I know for so many people, that was kind of a big pivoting moment. It and, was, uh, man. It was. It was. It was uh, right after I, I did my first transaction, I believe, in, when I was 21 years old. And uh, I wasn't a real estate investor then. I just did my first transaction then. Uh-huh. It wasn't until I, I read that book, I would say right in my early, I had to be right around my early 20s because um, I don't think I read it before then, but it was right around that time. And it just, it just changed everything. Um, you know, the way I was looking at everything at that, at that moment, it was like, I've got to, I got to figure out a way to be on the business side of things. Yeah. I got to figure out a way to actually start a business and have things start working for me instead of me working, you know, for, for, for money, you know, essentially. Yeah. When you were a little kid, did you always know that entrepreneurship was the path that you were going to take? I did. I, I've always enjoyed uh, connecting and with people and connecting others together. And I remember, gosh, I had to be when I was eight years old or so. I was already an entrepreneur in my mind. I would uh, sell five for dollar candy bars. I, I sold pencils, glitter pencils in school. Um, you know, I was all I would, I, later on in life. I don't know if you remember this or not, Stephen. You're be, mm-hmm. being pretty young, but uh, garbage pail kids and uh, cards yeah. and uh, memorabilia cards and moving up to baseball cards, football and uh, basketball cards. I started to uh, go through the stage, uh, you know, in 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 young when I was really young. Uh, remember trading like two like Bo Jackson cards for one chocolate milk. <laughs> yeah. So like I always negotiating or negotiating GI Joe for transformers. And it, it's funny, just always doing something uh, like that. And I always enjoyed, enjoyed the process. And where do you think that came from? Like where, where did that inspire your parents entrepreneurs as well? Or what's yeah, going on there? That's a good question. So my, my dad passed away when I was very, very young um, mm-hmm. before I was two years old passed away in an airplane crash. We were, uh, we owned several airplanes. Uh, my dad was a crop duster and, mm-hmm. uh, he would get up, you know, at dark and come home at dark. My mom said often, and I don't obviously remember a whole lot of being so young, but I have two older brothers and, and they told me many stories. And so did my mom and my dad was a very, uh, driven person. And, um, you know, I think had, had to come from there, but also my mom, which is 76 now, uh, my mom was also a Mary Kay. She was a very driven salesperson. She was number one in Tupperware. If you remember this whole Tupperware yep. sales, I uh, would go around. Uh, my mom was very, very successful in that. And then she also was a real estate agent uh, at one point in her life too. Um, but she was just always really driven. So I think just a combination of my dad's work ethic, uh, which was which was you know a, a ton of hours every day, just putting it in, not complaining. Um, one of the cool things about my father talking to other people that knew him was they never heard him say a bad thing about anyone and no one ever said a bad thing about him, which was pretty, yeah. pretty cool to be able to have that um, to, to, to kind of lean on. But they all say he was a really, really had a strong, strong work ethic. And so my mom had a massive drive and uh, all the excitement, the, uh, the, the passion, I think I probably got a lot of that from 
from my mom. I think you would see that if you sit her, saw her sit down and watch a, a Thunder game. She gets pretty riled up. But my, my dad, you know, also had that strong work ethic. So probably those those two things. So you had that drive and you just knew you had to find a way to kind of make some things happen. I love that. Yeah, man. I, you know, I, I didn't have a father. So, you know, um, that, that obviously played a pretty yeah. big key in development, I would, I would say. And, you know, even to a point, I, I made a lot of bad choices. I hung out with a lot of people that, that I didn't want to be judged by. So I, I often uh-huh. chose a crowd, uh, Stephen, that was not the best crowd. They weren't the most positive thinkers. They were, they tend to be, you know, just, just people that were, just getting in a lot of trouble, getting in a lot of fights. I grew up in a smaller town. And so it seemed like for any kind of excitement, either, you know, got in trouble or got in a fight. So, and then those two things don't really go well together for, you know, creating success. (laughs) So I got into a lot of trouble, but uh, then later on in life, my mom, um, you know, it was just struggle. Imagine my mom trying to raise three driven, you know, boys, all boys. Um, What was that point for you? What was that point where you went from being, like that rebel kid. I mean, I, I can relate to this a lot. When, when was that point that you went from being that rebel to I'm going to go and create something with myself? Yeah, man. Um, so I, I got into a lot, again, a lot, a lot of trouble. And, um, I, one instance I got in trouble, I had to pay restitution for a group of us just being stupid, breaking into uh, a campus in, in Weatherford. And, we uh, all got restitution. My, my, some of my friends actually got sent off to boys' homes because um, they've been uh, several times they got in wow. trouble. And so this kind of was like the, the final straw. And I got uh, sent to a church to do rest, pay off my restitution to like clean the, clean the carpets at the church and, um, you know, do some stuff on, um, on the garden outside and just like spending time and hours to pay off my restitution. And there was a pastor, his name was Danny, that was at this church that I was doing this restitution. And he would talk to me about God and all this. And I didn't want to really hear about it um, because I just really kind of thought it was a joke. So I grew up in a Baptist church and my mom just kind of made me go to church. And then you get to a place in your life where your mom can't really tell you what yep. to do, or if you do, it's like a struggle. And then she goes to church and you kind of stay home or you get into, you know, get into fights. But, uh, so it got to that kind of stage in life in my, in my teens where I was doing early teens, so like fighting back. Hey, I don't want to go to this church. And then later, lo and behold, I get restitution, have to pay off at, at this church. And it wasn't until, um, a really strange thing happened. So I'd never wanted to hear about, you know, anybody encouraging me about church or God or anything like that. I thought the Bible was a joke. I thought it was just a bunch of stories. And one day uh, this pastor had all these basketball, football and baseball cards laying out on the floor and on his desk. And when I was, I remember doing, had the vacuum and I was going around, you know, everybody's done for the day and he has his door open and I'm vacuuming around the corner I look in and I see these baseball or football basketball cards. Mm-hmm. And I see this one card, Stephen, it's a Ricky Henderson 1980s tops card. Never forget it. Mm-hmm. And it was at the time worth like $200. If you know anything mm-hmm. about cards, it was that the card. He was, he was, he was, you know, how Ricky Henderson. So I remember seeing this card and I'm like, Hey, uh, I stopped my, stopped the vacuum. I said, Hey, uh, if you ever want to sell that card, I knew somebody that loved Ricky Henderson. I could totally uh, get that sold for you. And maybe we can make a deal. You know, and 
uh, I remember him kind of like going, whoa, like I've been trying to talk to you and you haven't been like responding. And all of a sudden, you know, you see this card and then we have a conversation like out of the blue. And so that was kind of fun because the next day he had, he literally had the cards he knew when I was coming around to back him and stuff. And so he, he next day he had the cards like in the hallway. So I couldn't get around it. And so basically that's when this thing kind of started happening where um, I started to actually listen to a guy that wanted to tell me about what I was making these choices in life and how they were so, how they're so negative and like why I was doing that. And then like, you know, what I thought about God. And, and so he obviously was this big proponent big christian you know like man you know god loves you and you you can do all these great things but you're just making these bad choices so i never really had that kind of that kind of figure in my life really that was really pushing it that way so yeah that made a big that made a big difference and so that was the moment that i realized that i could go from being a follower to a leader that was a big when you talk about mindset shifts Whenever someone is in, in, in at a place where they're making bad choices and, and they're just constantly getting, you know, maybe they're hanging out with people they know they shouldn't be, they're doing mm-hmm. things they shouldn't be, all this, it's because they're a follower. Their, their mindset isn't, I'm a leader, it's a follower. They're, they're with a crowd, they're with a group, you know, that's making these choices and they, they just don't want to be judged or whatever. And then once you make this shift to being a leader, Right. Mm-hmm. It really changes what's possible, you know, in your life, your, your outlook in life. Right. So that was, that was a big moment, man. Well, what I really appreciate about that is regardless of your look or our listeners looks on religion, what I can take away from this story is that Corey was going through a time in his life where he didn't have a lot of direction and he felt like he was hanging around these people and you know, you're in this situation where you're doing a bunch of dumb stuff. And I, you know, heck, I think a lot of people can relate to that. But then something happened, something changed. You got around somebody different who thought differently than you. And for a long time, you couldn't relate until you found some little piece of common interest, a little bit of rapport to kind of get pulled in to say, hey, well, maybe this message makes some sense. And regardless of what that message was, it happened to be one that was positive for you. And it sounds like it really like redefined your whole life. My big takeaway here, and I think something the listeners can really take away, is when you're fi- when you're feeling lost, it's it's to go and look for somebody that you can learn from. Go and look for that mentor, somebody who can guide you down a new path, so that you can really redefine that identity towards wherever you're trying to go. And the other big thing that I really want to encourage people to do is be that mentor. Right? You don't have to be some crazy, like outrageous, successful person. You can just be a normal guy or gal. And you can go out there and really help guide somebody down a, a better path. And frankly, it's one of the most fulfilling things that, that you can do. So, Corey, I'm really curious. Tell the listeners a little bit about what it is that you do. What's your craft? What, what do you do for, uh, for a living these days? Sure. So I know it's kind of a, let's pivot a little bit, but that's pretty interesting going down memory lane. So thanks for asking about some of those things. Um, so some great moments, great moments in life. So now I'm just really grateful to have the opportunity to have a, a pretty incredible uh, life and business. I'm very appreciative of, um, I have uh, 430 doors uh, under GP of management, uh, which is around $20 million or so of real estate on the multifamily apartments. I've only been involved with those through syndication 
uh, with my partners mm-hmm. within the last two and a half to, to three years. So very young, but still learning a whole lot and really excited about the future with, with, with that. Before that, um, uh, I've always been involved with single family homes. Uh, mm-hmm. Started out very, uh, maybe back in 2000, uh, I would say I really, at, right after I turned 25, 26 years, I'm 43 now. So was that about uh, 17, 18 years ago, something like that. Uh, I started to learn more about wanting to get involved with real estate uh, investing. I just sold one of my companies. It was a drop shipping company. It was a plasma electronics business. And I had a little bit of money, but I, I really didn't know what I was going to do. And I, I knew that most of my clients from that company, because it was an affluent-based uh, plasma TVs were $20,000. Only people that could afford them were affluent people. I had conversations mm-hmm. with those customers, um, and they told me they were involved with real estate. It's what made them successful. That's what helped them uh-huh. create their wealth. So I knew I always wanted to be involved with real estate. So I learned as a bird dog and moved up to wholesaling and moved up to fix. I started a fix and flip business. I couldn't stand it. Not my jam. Um, I know people love it, but not me. Uh, then I went to lease options for a while. Then I, I, I did, and then I, I kind of landed uh, and, and, and stumbled my way through a first short sale at the beginning of uh, the really the beginning, beginning of the recession. The recession really started in 2005. I didn't really start getting involved with short sales like 2007, 2008. But uh, short sales was a redefining game for me in, in real estate. Uh, Stephen, I, I started a loss mitigation company. Um, I started to teach on short sales. I started a short sale software company. I created a short sale course called Short Sale Fundamentals. We sold over 2,500 of those courses. Uh, I had affiliates all over the country. Many of the people that are out there teaching now were my affiliates uh, when we were first starting, which is really cool to see and interesting to see now. Um, and it was just awesome and really focused a lot on short sales. Um, but then about 2011, uh, I started to, 2010, 2011, there started to be a slowdown. It's harder to get these short sales done. And uh, I, I really knew that uh, I really knew that there's some change had to happen. I was going through a lot of, uh, as an entrepreneur, you go through a lot of different business challenges, personal challenges. Yeah, they don't really, they don't really stop. I mean, the longer that you're in business, the more challenges you're going to face. Yeah, yeah. I was going through some business ones with a partner that, I mean, raise your hand if you had a challenge with a business partner. You know, I, I went through a personal so let's, divorce let's, that was let, tough. Let's touch, let's touch on that on the relationship front, if you don't mind, sure. Corey, just so we can kind of dive into something specific. Sure. So when you're dealing with a challenge and you and it's a relationship-related challenge, sounds like you had you know, the divorce happening and the divorce and the partnership potentially happening. Yeah, um, real close to the same time. Yeah. And I'm sure there's all kinds of other challenging things that are all going on right around that time. Yeah. How do you deal with that when you've, you've, you're, you're in business with somebody and you're, you had a common goal, but now you no longer do. How did you navigate that path out of that partnership? Well, uh, what I should have done um, is already think about that divorce when we started. And, uh-huh. um, you know, it's a hard thing to think about, um, but you really need to be smart if you're going to go into business, meaning that you and your business partner are partners in one entity. Now, uh-huh. I'd recommend that uh, you really think about that. It can work really well. And I know people that make it work beautifully. I know a lot more that don't. Um, mm-hmm. And I know a lot of stories that could, could get painful, not just financially, but emotionally. Um, just a lot of bad things can come from it. So just be thinking uh, what do you bring into the table? What's it going to look like in a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan? Really start thinking about what your business plan um, looks like and then what happens whenever you guys are going to separate if that happens. You know, if he gets uh-huh. hit by a bus, you get hit by a bus, 
he gets divorced, you know, you get divorced. Uh, what's going to happen? Who's in control? Where, where, where the responsibilities lie? And uh, do you have a buyout clause? We did not. <laughs> so I'd highly mm. recommend if you're going to do that, have a buyout clause and really be smart mm-hmm. on how you put it together. Think of it uh, as an agreement that both of you guys have to commit it to excellence, but also having some accountability with each other. So one of the things I did not do is, is those things I just mentioned to you. I was excited about doing this deal. Uh, one person brought a lot of technical aspect to the game, had programmers and uh, had, a, had a kind of a, a skeleton of a product. I brought in more of the visionary, the marketing and really blew up the product. Uh-huh. We grew very, very quickly to almost 5,000 users paying $99 a month. I mean, a big business um, yeah. for, for fairly quickly. And uh, the business looks different whenever it's, you know, $30,000 a month coming in versus $300,000 a month. You have more payroll. You have a lot more responsibilities. You have a lot more um, organization that's required, not just optional. Mm-hmm. It's it's required. Um, people are going to be spending money left and right on things. Just your bookkeeping, your accounting, all of this is absolutely mandatory. And sometimes you can just grow things and it grows so fast mm-hmm. that uh, that's what you think you want. You want to have more sales. Yeah. You want to have more customers. We just caution you right now. Too much growth too quickly is actually the worst thing that can that can happen. Um, yeah. I've experienced it myself. I mean, we went from zero to seventy-five deals, including you know flips in one year and one hundred and fifty in two, and we learned a lot. Hell, I almost heck, I almost spent you know a million dollars in marketing in two two and a half years. But what you learn from that is what you don't want to do and how to focus differently. And it sounds like one of the things the big takeaway for you from a partnership standpoint was. When you guys still liked each other before money was really on the table yeah. to make an agreement on how you're going to handle it if somebody's not really pulling their weight or if somebody isn't, uh, you know, if somebody wants to exit. Because when you ended up getting to that point, it sounds like then, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of high stakes and it's a much harder time to have that negotiation than if you would have done it at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Ego comes into play. He said, she said, uh, if you don't have good systems and processes kind of governing things, and then you have one person that's kind of in control of turning the faucet on and off, too much control of one person is not a, not a great thing. This, this is why it's so important to have uh, good management uh, skills and good, you know, really understanding good uh, processes and systems. So be cautious whenever you're doing that. You can have great uh, business partners. Uh, I would recommend now that you probably just bring your own LLC to... Uh, to a partnership so you can control kind of that part of it. You have responsibility from that part of it, but you guys can go your separate ways if things kind of get weird. But yeah, there was litigation that happened. It was expensive, you know, six-figure litigation and, you know, all that. And then, you know, on top of that, you got your personal stuff. So you're traveling out there for me and my, obviously my experience. I was traveling, selling from stage, doing the dog and pony show. And then, you know, you come home and you're there for maybe two or three days and you're back on a plane again, you know, and so trying to work on your marriage and, and make that quote, the most important thing um, gets blurred, you know, gets blurred. Things can break down at home. Uh, if you're not, if you're not watering it, you know, it's a simple thing. If you don't water yeah. what you have at home, it's going to die. It's going to die. And it takes, it takes effort to do that responsibility. So, you know, I, I, I really, I really neglected that. And I didn't realize that that needed so much 
nurturing and maintenance and, and my part of it, I thought all I need to do is go provide, you know, as a guy and, 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 and a, I shouldn't say as a guy, but as a, as a provider in my heart, you know, I, I go and I want to go provide, go kill stuff and come home and then we can, we can eat it. But really there's a lot more that goes into being a, a, a having a successful business you and, and, and a leader, I should say a leader business and leadership you know, you could have a you could bring in a lot of money on a business, but you could be a poor leader. I know that sounds really weird, okay? But I know people that bring in a lot of money, but they they're this horrible leaders. So you either hire great leaders, right? But really, at the end of the day, you you it really comes from you. You're going to be a magnet for more of who you are and how you're structuring things. So if you're careless, you don't care about things, you're doing things you shouldn't. The people that you're going to be uh, that's going to be attracted to you are those kinds of people. And so you just got to make sure that you focus more on leadership. And leadership really has a lot to do with do what you say. Do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to do something, do it, you know? Uh, have reliability. That builds character. People want to know that they can rely on you, that you can, they can trust you, that um, you know that that you have good ideas in terms of being able to be transparent and say you know, I'm not, I don't know everything, but here, this looks good and adding ideas and, and being someone that's a contributor and serving someone, ask someone how, how you can help, how you can help them get where they want to go. So the way that you, uh, I think, become a very good business person is work on leadership. And that wasn't something mm-hmm. that I really was commonplace thought for me at the time. It was just go out and sell, make money, and then, you know, everything else will kind of take care of itself. It's really not the truth. So the big takeaway here is plan ahead on how something's going to be an exit, whether you're talking about a business partnership or a personal partnership, you know, your love life and be a leader, be able to show up and have real clarity in what you're actually trying to provide and that communication. And the big part of being a leader is really knowing what everyone who you're leading and who you're with, who's on your team is looking for. And making sure you're constantly checking in so that you can kind of avoid some of those challenges. I'm right. sure you're now, you know, you're applying some of that stuff in your life today. Did you ever end up going and getting married, Corey? I'm just curious. I did. Sure. I sure did. You did. And uh, you did it again. Step, yeah. Two step kids now, um, you know, and, and it's, uh, that's obviously got its own, you know, own things there with, uh, with new challenges too. But at the end of the day, you know, 43 now, really mm-hmm. uh, grateful for some of the things that I've, all the things I went through and doing my best to say, what can I learn from each one of those things that I would say is a, is a negative? How can I say, what can I learn from quote that negative? What can Mm -hmm. I, what can I take from it that I can add to my present or future that is going to help me be more aware on something, uh, be, be wiser on my decisions. You know, just that Uh awareness and thinking like that is very different than, than where I was before. Man, it sucks to fail at anything, right? In a partnership, in a in a marriage, in in a business. But it's really inspiring, and I appreciate your your willingness to be open and vulnerable here because I think we don't talk about this stuff as much as we should. And you know, when you you fail in a marriage, it, just like you fail in a business, you take a look at it and you say, "Hey, well, what worked and what didn't work, and how can I apply that to the next one?" And then you know, don't beat yourself up and and move on to doing great things. And I'm glad you didn't let it burn you. Cause I know a lot of people, once they kind of go down that path and they, they fail at something in business or in their personal life, they're like, I'm never going to do that again. 
but it's holding on to that negative emotion that doesn't let you grow. And I think that's why you've been such an inspiring leader to people like me and so many others. It's because you are constantly focused on that growth, Corey. And I appreciate you saying that. I, I'm a constant work in progress. I, I realize I'm never going to reach a place where it's done. Um, I'm, I have no desire to retire. Retirement to me is such an old idea. I just want to be at a place where I'm constantly learning and enjoying the journey. And um, that's where I am uh, right now. And, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. grateful for that. But on the personal side, I started writing a reason to be grateful every single day. Mm-hmm. And up to that point in my life, I've never done that. Mm-hmm. I never thought there's power just in being grateful and gratitude. Mm-hmm. That's been the biggest, that's been the biggest awareness of my life is that every day you should be thinking about reasons that you're grateful. Today, I, uh, I post a reason to be grateful every single day. Today is uh, 1800 and I think we're getting close to um, 1814, I think is what today is or 1815. So every day I post a reason to be grateful. That's been a big awareness moment. I, I started my wholesaling business and started to create it as if, uh, if I could go travel for three months and still make money on it. Mm-hmm. All right. So I started thinking about time off and time with my family and time with my, with my loved ones. And once I cared about the most, like what, what that would look like before I never, I never really thought about that stuff. That stuff was like a past thought. Now it's like the first thought. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Some good stuff, Corey. So, you know, on that same note, I'm sure you have, have changed this definition over the years, but how would you define success and what is success to you? Sure. And yeah, sorry, Dick. It's just thinking about all that. It's, uh, it's great what you're doing, man, because if you're changing people's mindset about things and really helping them sway more about, it's not about them, it's about serving others. That's where real fulfillment comes from. That's the piece mm-hmm. that you're probably missing because you there's something in your life that you were just going after. And for me, you know, my dad wasn't there. So I was filling that void constantly, you know proven to myself that I was worth it. I could do stuff. And, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so my idea of success really now is who have I served, right? That has been able to have a better life because of that seed planting. So, you know, Mm -hmm. success for me is I can see someone like a student, you know, we both have students. So, you know, when students Mm -hmm. do deals and they were able to get their first payday, uh, or they had a mindset shift in their life um, where it just unlocked something and set them on a trajectory, you know, for big things to overcome. You know, not like I'm a, I'm a Tony Robbins, but I, I I really understand, you know, from that concept what that must feel like when he goes and he he sets a lot of people free from the way that they think, and yeah. because it can be your own prison, you know. So success is really not can. a one size fits all. And I used to think it was, I used to think if I make X amount of dollars, I'm successful. Or if I own this many assets, I'm successful. Or if I have this kind of friends, these kind of friends, I'm successful. I know people that have all those things and they they absolutely can't stand themselves. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing I want to tell you about success is you got to be able to look in the mirror and tell yourself, man, you're grateful for God making you. That's, that's one of the very first things that where success really comes from. Because if you're not grateful to God, really thinking about someone else, thinking about God over yourself, 
um, and just saying, man, thank you so much for, for creating me the way you did. Thank you for everything. Um, and, and being able to smile and be happy with who you are, uh, everything else can just not really matter unless that stuff starts. And that really starts, I think, inside. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that we forget. We try to do all this external stuff to be successful. We look externally, Stephen. And instead, mm-hmm. if you're not able to look inside and just say, man, am I happy with who I am? I'm happy that God made me or, or am I beating myself up? every day with words and the saying things and, you know, just, just setting myself up for massive failures all the time. It's just because of the way I talk to myself internally. Um, mm-hmm. You're never, you're not going to be successful on the outside. If you're not successful on the inside, I guess would be a short way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. That's some really big stuff right there, guys. I hope you'll, uh, I hope you'll listen to that a couple times. You, you got to be successful on the inside before any of the other stuff really matters. We are always trying to fill some hole or some, some void. So on a similar note, what are some of the keystone habits, the things you do on a daily or weekly basis that have led to some of that success? And I got some good ones. So every morning in the shower, I always say with an affirmation is my worst day is someone else's paradise. My worst day is someone else's paradise. And I, when I let that water come over me and I feel the water and I really feel, I feel what I feel, you know, and go into this deepness here, but like, you know, you're really appreciative for a shower. You're really appreciative for in that moment. And my worst day is someone else's paradise. My worst day is someone else's paradise. And you'd let that wash over you. Then what happens throughout the day, you'll have challenges, things that happen, but you'll, you'll think, wow, someone would trade their best day in another situation, right? For my worst. And, uh, there's something about that's just very humbling. Um, mm-hmm. in, in a way that, that just gives me some center, you know, mm-hmm. gives me a center, uh, of like, you know, we're going to have challenges, but it could be always worse. Right. So that, that is something I always say every single day. My worst day is someone else's paradise. Um, Working out, you know, working out exercise is if you're not working out three to four times a week, you're just really missing. I think what your body and what your life is really designed for your body is designed to move. So if you um, find yourself complaining a lot, if you find yourself in negative moods a lot, if you find yourself uh, find being, being an, a, a victim, uh, if you find yourself even having, quote, things happen, like, oh, just when it rains and pours, you know how you say that, like, you know, stuff happening. Mm-hmm. I want to ask yourself a question. Are you working out consistently on a weekly basis? Mm-hmm. And I bet you the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Because whenever you start to, to care about how you feel, and how your body, you know, you work out, there's things that happen, man. You, it starts there. So you can, you know, have a, uh, throughout the day, your, your body is burning calories faster. Your metabolism actually can be quote, a little bit raised throughout the day. You feel good in the morning. Whenever you're moving your body, you feel good, you know, drink a liter of water a day. I know it's going to be hard to do that, but you can do it. Drink one liter of water a day. Look at the studies. Your body is made up over 70% of water. Water is the number one thing that can cure like all kinds of clogs in your body and all kinds of infections in your body. Yeah, just water. And if you want mm-hmm. extra bonus points, put a little apple cider vinegar in there. Mm-hmm. So start thinking about your health, but not just like what you eat and stuff too, but like you're in the morning whenever you get up to work out three or four times a week is really 
best. And if you cannot do it, hire a trainer. I have Mm -hmm. a trainer that knows, like if I tell him I'm going to be at the gym, he's expecting me to be at the gym. For a lot of us entrepreneurs, Stephen, we won't go by ourselves, but if someone's relying on us to be there, we're not going to let them down, Mm -hmm. right? We'll let ourselves down all day long, but we won't let somebody else down. So hire a trainer if you don't, if you don't, uh, cannot do it yourself, but work out, have affirmations in the morning and drink water. Love it. This is some some good stuff, Corey. So we've made it to my favorite part of the show, the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So kicking it off, what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now? As a man thinketh, man, one of my favorite books in the world, James Allen. He's an incredible author. Um, so as a man thinketh. Fantastic book. Absolutely love that one. Definitely recommend it. From an inspiration standpoint, who are some of your mentors and how do they influence your career? So Dave Storm was a big brother from the Big Brother Sister program that my mom actually uh, had to <laughs> get me enrolled in because I was just making bad choices. But he was really instrumental and helped me out tremendously. So my big brother, Dave Storm. Um, Evan Pagan, I, was, I spent over a year with Evan Pagan on uh, learning more about marketing and setting up businesses from a virtual standpoint. He ran um, close to $100 million business with uh, 70, 80 virtual assistants. And I learned a lot of wow. systems and processes. And uh, he's just highly cerebral and someone I learned a lot from. Wyatt Woodsmall was a guy that taught Tony Robbins. Um, so I spent some time with Wyatt on uh, really understanding deeper levels of attraction and mindset and um, on how uh, on how our inner thinking really affects our outer our outer actions and stuff like that. So psychology, deep psychology uh, from, from Wyatt was, was really instrumental. Um, some other folks, I think on the inspiration uh, side have uh, been my, one of my mentors, Bobby Greenwald that I've known for many, many years that started an app called Uversion. It's actually just called Bible now on your phone. See, mm-hmm. Most people have it on their phone. Uh, it's responsible for, uh, the biggest that I know of technolo- technology um, connection with the word of God and spreading that through a mobile uh, technology. So just amazing thinker and just been so grateful to be able to, to ask him questions and, you know, just throughout the years, build a great friendship with him. So he has been a uh, very instrumental in, uh, in my life. Robert Kiyosaki, obviously I, I, couldn't say enough good things. I have all yeah. the Rich Dad books, not just the Rich Dad yeah. book. There, I have all the the series, Cashflow Quadrant, and everything. Um, so those are some. Those are a few. That's great. So from a purpose perspective, what drives you to live your best life every day? What drives me to live my best life every day, knowing that if I don't, then I'm just like slapping God in the face. If that makes sense, like I just want to be grateful. Like I feel like it's my responsibility to be have gratitude. And I never thought that before. I always thought it's uh-huh. just like, it's going to be, it's up to me. You know, I, a long time ago, I used to sell Kirby home cleaning systems door to door. The best training, by the way, in life is for sales uh, is uh, knocking doors. <laughs> and uh, I did that for over a year and actually oh, two years. And so I learned a lot through, I learned a lot through that process um, of, of knocking doors. And I can, I can tell you that, man, you just just gratitude on a daily basis, man, uh, is so absolutely vital for you to be able to smile at the end of the day, no matter what has happened. It is so gr- uh, vital for you because your health is actually impacted by it because of stress levels. Stress levels in your life 
uh, are increased tremendously with, with uh, people that don't have gratitude. And it's you can go and look at several tests online about this. Gratitude is a major factor that um, you should be adding into your in, into your arsenal of things to to use on a daily basis, tools um, and weapons, because you're gonna you're gonna go through ups and downs. We call it the entrepreneur roller coaster. But when you have gratitude in your life, you can you can you can be centered. And I think God has really uh, showed me in a big way a lot of gratitude. That's great. That's awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate you uh, having me on here. And uh, it's funny because normally I get asked a lot of uh, real estate questions and marketing questions. And we talked about a lot of other stuff today that was uh, outside of that. So it's kind of refreshing. So you can go to Corey Boatwright, C-O-R-Y-B-O-A-T-R-I-G-H-T.com. Uh, I actually have my domain. I bought it many years ago. Uh, you can connect with me there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, just type in my name and, and you'll be able to find me there. Great. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. And I look forward to the next time we get to hang out. Awesome, Stephen. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 